the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life is filled with both sunshine and storms. But without God's navigation, souls can easily become spiritually shipwrecked. Anchored in Christ is a weekly broadcast that ministers the scriptures so we can know Christ the Savior and enjoy salvation, security, strength, and stability found only in Him as we set sail through life's marvelous journey. Here's Pastor David Kehiwat. Mark 2, 13 through 22. Speaking about Jesus, the Bible says, And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And, he, and Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. Of course, the critics had to be here in this passage. They were there, but our Lord used their questions to teach the guests about himself and the spiritual work he came to do. Jesus, the servant, demonstrated that he, he had not only the power to forgive, but also the power to fulfill. And he explained his power to fulfill by using three interesting illustrations. First of all, he used the illustration of a physician. Excuse me, look in verse number 16. Verse 16 says, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When the scribes and Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the unbelievers, they began criticizing him. The religious hypocrites basically considered themselves clean in their own eyes, 
when in truth they were open sepulchers, they were open graves, open tombs, full of dead men's bones. Ironically to them, associating with publicans and sinners made them unclean, so they would not have anything to do in associating with these people. And they taught isolationism from the world. However, Jesus had a different set of lenses from which he viewed these people. Matthew 9.36, the Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion upon them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. To Jesus, these publicans and sinners were patients in need of a physician. And who better to fulfill this, their spiritual sickness but Jesus Christ himself, the great physician. We've already seen in the past sermons that sin may be compared to sickness and forgiveness to having your health restored. Now we see that our Savior may be compared to a physician and he comes to us in our need. He makes a perfect diagnosis and he made a perfect diagnosis of these people and he provides a final and complete cure. What an awesome God. What an awesome Savior. Who, if you would simply come to Him, already knows what your sickness is. What an awesome God. Who already knows that when you come to Him, He provides the final and perfect, complete cure. And you know what's even better? What an awesome God, who is the great physician, who paid the medical bill with his own life's blood. Wouldn't you like that kind of health care? He provides spiritual health care. Warren Wiersbe said that there are three kinds of patients, however, that Jesus can't heal from their sickness of sin. Three. Let me give them to you today. Number one, Jesus can't heal those who do not know anything about him. Jesus can't heal those who don't know anything about him. Not that he is unable or without the power, but if people do not know about Jesus Christ, they will die and spend eternity in hell. Which is why God gave us Romans chapter 10 verses 13 and 14. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You see, Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to heal the spiritually broken. He is that preacher proclaiming that he is God and he is the Savior. And unless people hear of Jesus Christ, they cannot be saved. Unless they are given the cure, presented the cure, they cannot be saved. And this is why we should be sharing the good news of the great physician who came to heal us of our cancer of sin. Doctors do not force sick people to come to the hospital. Sick people go to the hospital when they see their need. Jesus cannot save if one won't come to him with their sin-sick soul. Secondly, Warren Wiersbe says, Jesus cannot save those who know about him but refuse to trust him. 
Jesus cannot save those who know about him but refuse to trust him. John 1.11 says he came unto his own and his own received him not. John 5.43, I am come in my father's name and ye received me not, Jesus said. Furthermore, in John chapter 12, verse 48, he says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. There are some people who get sick but refuse to seek medical help. You ever meet these people? Can you imagine that if you were having a heart attack and you had all the symptoms of having a heart attack? Would you remain where you are and say, well, you know what? I'm just going to try to live a good life. It'll go away. No. You would immediately seek help. Some people know they're sick, but still will do nothing. That is the height of presumption. To think that you can heal yourself. Every one of us has the cancer of sin running through our veins. Some have the cure when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ which is the blood of Jesus Christ. But if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you will do one of two things when you leave this building today. You will either reject Him and leave a sin-sick soul, or you can receive Him to be your Savior. You come to the great physician, and He will heal your condition. But the choice is yours. And then thirdly, there's another group of people that Jesus cannot heal, and they are those who will not admit that they even need to be healed. They are those who will not admit that they even need to be healed. First John chapter 1, verse number 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. There are people out there who do not claim to have any sin. They don't see their sin. Jesus said, those that are whole need not a physician. You know what he was saying in that passage there in verse number 17? He said, if you've never sinned, you don't need a savior. He said, only those who have sinned need a savior. Those who are sick need a a physician. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I came. Because everybody is a sinner. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Every single one of us are sick, folks. And we're sick with the cancer of sin, and death is passed upon every single one of us. Which is why Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. If a person doesn't ever see their need, they won't seek to be healed. There are people who want a savior, not so they can be reconciled to God because their sin condemned them and made them enemies. They just want a savior so they can get to heaven for a destination. They want Jesus so that they can live in peace. But they don't understand why Jesus truly came. He came that she might have life 
and that life more abundantly. He came to call sinners to repentance. Salvation isn't about going to a place. It's about being reconciled to God. We are told in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. For when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled unto God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Have you seen the doctor yet? Jesus is that great physician who can fulfill the need for the sin sick soul. Has there ever been a time when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone? Your church is not the great physician. Your good works is not the great physician. Your heritage is not the great physician. Well, I was born in America, and America is a Christian nation, therefore I am a Christian. No. You're, just because you're born in America doesn't make you a Christian any more than you being born in a garage makes you a car. <laughs> Number two, Jesus Christ provided fulfillment when he used the illustration of a bridegroom. Look in verses 18 to 20. The Bible says, And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they came and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. While the first question they asked had to do with the kind of company Jesus was keep, keeping, why are you eating with publicans and sinners? Their second question raised the issue of why Jesus was having such a good time with these people at the table. His conduct to them seemed inappropriate. Well, you remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist was an austere man. He was, he was pretty... In your face. And he was a recluse. But Jesus accepted invitations to meals. He, play, uh, he played with the children. And he enjoyed social gatherings. You can read that in Matthew 11 verses 16 through 19. No doubt John's disciples were a bit scandalized to see Jesus at a party. And these pious disciples of the Pharisees were quick to join them in their confusion. Jesus had already made it clear that he came to convert the sinners, not to compliment the self-righteous. Now, he had told them that he had come to bring gladness, not sadness. But thanks to legalism imposed by the scribes and Pharisees, the Jewish religion had become a burdensome weight upon the people. The poor people were weighed down by rules and regulations that were impossible to obey. Matthew 23, verse number 4. But Jesus, here, enjoying the time with the people, enjoying fellowship with sinners and publicans, he was basically saying, life is not supposed to be a funeral. 
God wants life to be a wedding feast. While you're still here, enjoy. Enjoy. Now, that doesn't mean we can live any way we want and enjoy the sinful pleasures of the world. No. But there are things that God provides for us, for us to enjoy. The outdoors. The uh, fellowship with other people. Certain events that we can go to that are morally neutral activities. And he was saying, I am the bridegroom and these people are my wedding guests. Well, how many of you ever been to a wedding? Aren't weddings supposed to be a good time? It's a joyous time for the couple. It's a joyous time for the people that are around them. And the Jews knew that marriage was one of the pictures used in the Old Testament to explain Israel's relationship to the Lord. They had been married to Jehovah and they belonged only to him. And when the nation turned to foreign gods, as they often did, they committed spiritual adultery. They were unfaithful to their husband, like the illustration of Gomer and Hosea. And they had to be disciplined. John the Baptist had already announced that Jesus was the bridegroom, John 3, 29. And our Lord performed his first miracle, the wedding at where? Cana. The marriage feast in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Now, he was inviting people to come to the wedding. After all, becoming a Christian is not unlike entering into the marriage relationship. Romans chapter 7, verse 4 says that ye should be married to one another spiritually. The marriage relationship is one of the greatest experiences of life. For many, though, life isn't fulfilled until they're married. In order to be married, they must commit themselves to one another and make this commitment known. Salvation from sin involves much more than a person knowing about Christ or having emotional good feelings toward Christ. Salvation comes when the sinner trusts Jesus Christ and says, I do I will receive him to be my savior and I will espouse myself to everything that is Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. And as in a wedding where they give their vows, Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then the believer immediately enters into the joys of spiritual marriage relationship, bearing his name, sharing his wealth and power, enjoying his love and protection, and one day living in his glorious home in heaven. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ become a member of the body of Jesus Christ, the church, which is the bride. He is the bridegroom. And in any marriage, at least traditional marriages, the wife takes on the name of the husband. The wife is the one that's protected by the husband. The wife is the one who receives everything that the husband owns. And in the Jewish tradition, the husband, many times after being betrothed, leaves for a while and prepares a place for the bride. And she awaits with her maids till he comes back. That's where we are. 
That's how these Jews understood. When Jesus made these statements, that's how they understood it. And when we are spoused to Christ, life becomes a wedding feast in spite of trials and difficulties. And trials and difficulties will come. But you know, I I have made it a philosophy in my Christian life years and years ago, going on 34 years this March, is that I'm not just going to endure being a Christian, I'm also going to enjoy being a Christian. I'm going to enjoy my walk with Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 2, verse 20, is a hint of our Lord's anticipated death, resurrection, resurrection, and return to heaven. And it is unlikely that his disciples at that early stage in their training even understood what he meant. However, Jesus was not suggesting that his absence from earth would mean that his followers would have to replace the feast with a funeral. He was only pointing out that occasional fasting would be proper at a future time when the joyful celebration should be the normal experience of believers. While some people do get married and live a fulfilled marriage, Others are consigned by God not to be married on earth. And if you're one of those, you can still have a fulfilled relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that marriage, that marriage relationship with Him far supersedes the relationship in a marriage. As I mentioned, I love spending time with my wife. But I love Jesus Christ more. I love spending time with Him more. And I trust that she would feel the same way about me. And if you're one of these, just know that you can still bear Christ's name. You can still share the riches of Christ. You can still enjoy security in Him, His love, and His protection. And one day, we all will dwell in the house that He's preparing for us. John 14, 1 through 6. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment in a relationship. So enjoy Him. Celebrate like it's a wedding day on a daily basis. And then lastly, I want you to see that Jesus demonstrated His power to fulfill. First, as a physician. Secondly, as a bridegroom. Thirdly, He used the illustration of wineskins. Verses 21 to 22. Notice. We've already seen that Jesus taught two important lessons about ministry. He came to save sinners, not to call righteous. And he came to bring gladness, not sadness. The third is this. He came to introduce the new, not to patch up the old. He came to introduce the new, not to patch up the old. The religious leaders were impressed with Christ's teachings. They were hoping for some kind of compromise that would retain the best of Pharisaic Judaism And the best of what Christ had to offer. But Jesus exposed the flaw of that approach. It would be like tearing patches from a new unshrunk garment and sewing them onto an old garment. You would ruin the new garment when the old garment was washed. The patches would shrink, rip away, and ruin the garment too. Or it would be like putting new unfermented wine in old brittle wineskins. As soon as the wine began to ferment, the gases would form and the old skins would burst and you would lose both the wine and the skins. 
Well, Jesus, when he came, he came to usher the new, not to unite with the old. You see, the mosaic economy was decaying, getting old, and ready to vanish away. Hebrews 8, verse number 13. Jesus would establish a new covenant in his blood. Luke 22. The law would be written in human hearts, not in stones, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit would enable God's people to fulfill the righteousness of the law. By using this illustration, Jesus refuted once and for all the popular idea of compromising world religion. Well-meaning but spiritually blind leaders have suggested that we take the best from each religion. Blend it with, it, with what is best in the Christian faith and thus manufacture a synthetic faith that would be acceptable to everybody. But the Christian faith is exclusive in character. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him, John 14, 6. As a matter of fact, he says in Acts 4, verse number 12, there is no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is not a partial patching up of one's life. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not, well, let me add Jesus to what I'm already doing. It's a whole new robe of righteousness that he places upon us, not we so ourselves. The Christian life is not a mixing of the old and the new. The Christian life, rather, is a fulfillment of the old in the new. Jesus fulfilled the prophecies, types, and demands of the law of Moses. The law was ended at Calvary when the perfect sacrifice was once offered for the sins of the whole world and those who believe in him are saved to the uttermost. So the lesson we learn from this, and I'll close, is that Christ is sufficient. He satisfies. He satisfies our spiritual needs for our salvation. He satisfies our social needs, relationships. And he has <clears throat> satisfied the law. He ushers in the new. When it comes to a relationship, Christ is enough. When it comes to fulfilling the law, Christ is enough. Jesus Christ, the servant, has power to fulfill your every need. You've been listening to Anchored in Christ with Pastor David Kehiwat. For more information, visit anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Tune in next week at the same time for Anchored in Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.